We're going to spend one more week um, in the section of Ephesians that we have been in, chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. We're going to spend one more week in this section, um, and I really wasn't going to. Matter of fact, I was done. In my mind, I was moving on. And you know how the Holy Spirit just keeps kind of bringing you to things sometimes? Because there's a little jab. Not like a mean jab, but like a, eh, maybe not so fast jab. Reminder. And so there was one verse in this section that, I, that we read, and I included it in the big picture of what we talked about this whole section of Ephesians, but I never really specifically identified it. I really thought it kind of doesn't, doesn't have a lot of application maybe. And um, I was just going to skip right over it. But I kept feeling kind of drawn back um, to this. And so we're going to look at it today because I really do think there's a great message in here um, as we hang on to the whole thing and say, wow, this is really applicable to our day and age. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, just one verse, verse 28. It says, He who steals must steal no longer. But rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Well, once again here what we find is the Apostle Paul is identifying actions, an action he takes an action that does not line up with Christ's likeness. And he says, you need to stop doing that. You need to put it off. And then you need to put on something else in place of it. And I kind of find it interesting here that Paul would even include this in the list. We did like lying, anger. And now he's talking about stealing. And remember, who's he writing to here? Ephesian Christians. So it's like him, somebody, me writing a, a personal note to you and say, hey, remember... Um, whomever, Chris, Pastor Chris, stop stealing, you know? And you'd go, you're kind of like, really? You included that in the list? Stop stealing. And, you know, you kind of say, why would he have to put that in there? Well, I think maybe a better way to look at it, at this first part of the put-off part, what we should stop doing because it doesn't line up with Christ's likeness, maybe what we should say is something like this. Be honest in your financial dealings. Maybe that wouldn't sound quite as dramatic. Be honest in your financial dealings. Maybe like things like don't take stuff from work or don't cheat on your taxes or don't swindle someone in a business deal. Oh no, the transmission on this car works wonderfully. And you know that it's going to die any day. You know, um, Put off dishonest financial dealings. And there's a reason for it. Because it does not line up with Christ's likeness. And the reason it doesn't line up with Christ's likeness is for one major reason. People are more important than money. People are more important than stuff. You know, and I would say this. I think we get this, right? I think we pretty much understand this, but um, Paul says it, so I, I think an honest examination of our lives and our hearts is always helpful, right? So be honest in your business dealings. Got that? Okay, now. This is not the reason that I went to this verse. I have to mention it because Paul mentions it. But it's the next part of the verse that kept drawing me back. He says, put off stealing or dishonest financial dealings. But then he says, put on something. And this is the part that I kept being drawn back to. Matter of fact, 
when I was really agonizing, like, I don't really want to do this. Kind of like, I'm just going to skip it. I went to both Pastor Paul and Pastor um, Mitch, and I said, do you think this is a message, I kind of talked about it, that you think our young people need to hear? And they both said, yes, in the society we live in. So let's look at the, the put on part. Read the whole verse. He who steals must steal no longer. But rather, remember he's saying, so stop stealing, put that off, but now by transformed heart, put something else on. But rather we must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that we'll have something to share with one who has need. So he says, stop stealing, instead work. Stop stealing, instead labor. It's where he uses here. We understand that word around Wisconsin because we don't understand labored unions. So stop stealing instead labor. You ladies really understand it because you go through labor for us. Thank you. But uh, stop stealing instead work is what he's saying. Paul tells the Christians in Ephesus that a result of inner transformation in likeness is that we would have a good work ethic. That's what he's talking about here. And this is primarily what I want to talk about today. In fact, I really think this, as I really began to think, I was going to skip it, but I was really began to think about it, I think this is more important today than it was for Paul when he wrote it, way back when he wrote it, because our worlds have changed greatly. And we have something now that they didn't have then. We have a social welfare system. And the, the world back then didn't have it. That's why, why all writings about widows in scriptures are so, are so serious, because they're saying if a widow doesn't have somebody providing for them, they're going to die. They're really going to starve to death. You know? But we have something different. We have a social, a social system. Um, that allows, that not only takes care of people, but sometimes, if, if used improperly, and it's used improperly a lot, it actually allows and rewards a lack of work. Matter of fact, I was talking about this topic to, to someone in our church um, before I preached it, and uh, it, was, it was Dick Fister, so he gets, the, he gets the credit for this. I was talking to him, we were drinking a cup of coffee at McDonald's, and, and I said, we were talking about this, and he said, he goes, have you ever heard this? He said, Patrick Henry said, Give me liberty or give me death. He said, today, much of our society simply says, give me. He said, we've come a long way, baby, but it's been in the wrong direction. You know, friends, that's not the Christian way. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about work. And I've actually used, I've covered this topic a couple times in the last eight years we've been together. It's going to be eight years at Christmas that, we'll have been, that I'll be here, we'll be together. And we've dealt with this, I think, maybe one or two times, and I want to kind of just think about this topic again of, of work. Because I think we need to do this. We need to develop a healthy opinion about work. You know, see, I found that a lot of people, and myself was included, and sometimes I still morph into this, a lot of people believe that work is what we endure in order to earn money, to buy the things we want, and to do the things we want to do. It's just a means to an end. Um, that sure, we have to work, and we'd say in our part of the world, even work hard, but you don't really enjoy it, you don't really get satisfaction out of it, you just do it. I think it's a fairly common point of view. It's like, um, you know, uh, everybody, there's an old song, you don't really date myself, Loverboy, anybody hear of Loverboy? What's Loverboy famous for singing? Everybody's working for the weekend. You know, is that pretty good? You like that? You got some rhythm? Josh? I embarrass these guys all the time. But that was a mentality being like, you know what, you work all week so you can, you can party on the weekend. Um, and I think a lot of people have that point of view. They're kind of living lover boy theology. 
Everybody's working, you know, they're working so they can party on the weekend. I, I don't think it's a very healthy view of work. Um, especially since we spend so much time working. You know, what do you spend the bulk of your adult life doing? Working. It's what you do. You work at work, you work at home. And I don't think it's a very biblical view to have that a wrong proper, a wrong view of work. So, so what I want to do is I want to just think about this idea of work and I want to look at a scripture, just one other scripture that can give us some guidelines about work. And this is a verse that, that I've um, looked at for years as a guide to myself for work. And I'd say this, especially when I wasn't enjoying my work situation. So some of you are jumping to where I'm going to go already, but grab your Bibles, flip a few pages over. I was going to put on a slide, but I didn't on purpose so that you would underline it in your Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. That's one thing about using uh, electronics. You can't underline anything. Well, you can highlight it, but it's not the same. I got them both. So. But you can't, you can't scribble in the margin and write things. And Colossians 3.23, you can. You're just more savvy on your electronics than me. It says this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever, so underline it, highlight it, whatever. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. We're just going to kind of break this verse down today and see what, what it's also Paul wrote this. The Apostle Paul, what's he saying to us about work? Well, the first thing I see is it says that we are to work. So whatever you do, do your work. So we are to work. Work isn't an option. It says do your work. You know, this is really what the Apostle Paul is getting at in Ephesians 4. He's saying, he's saying, listen, stop stealing. Why do you steal? It's because you don't have anything and you need to get something and you didn't work for it, so you steal it from somebody else. He says, stop doing that. Instead, go to work. Earn something with your hands or with your hands and your mind, you know, and your mouth and, you know, your energies and your abilities. Earn something, you know, and, and I know some of us, we think of work, some of us are working different ways. Some of you are, are moms and you work at home and you stay at home all day long and you, you take care of your children, you take care of the house. That is, in my opinion, the most hard work. The most, I would never have traded jobs with Suzanne. When she, when we made the decision, she'd be a mom, stay at home, raise our kids. Um, that's that's work. Others of you maybe are in the process of looking for work. You know, uh, others due to injury or health reasons, you're not working right now, but you want to work and you have worked. And and some, you know, what you're doing, you're working for free. It's called volunteering. You're in a position in your life where you you don't really need any more income, and so you volunteer. But what the volunteerism is, you work. You just don't get a paycheck. But for all the rest of us, which is the majority of us, um, we work. Meaning we do something to accomplish something and we get paid to do it. The question we have to ask ourselves, are we taking seriously God's command to work? To identify our unique skills and interests and then to find a place for that, those unique skills and interests to be used. You see, God didn't create us just to sit around. This is why when people have this crazy view about what eternity with God will be like, they have this weird thing about you're going to be with angels and harps sitting on clouds. It's not going to be anything like that. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be that. Because it doesn't line up with what God has done. When God created the, the earth before sin was involved, he created this beautiful earth with a garden. He told man to tend the garden. Another way of saying that is you have the job 
of managing the garden. And so God's going to, he stays consistent. We're going to have work in heaven. God didn't create us to sit around, because work is good for us. He created us to be occupied, that's why we call it an occupation, to be occupied with work. In fact, scripture says in the Second Thessalonians 3.10, if anyone will not work, they shouldn't even eat. So scripture is pretty, pretty, pretty strong on not being uh, lazy. And Paul wrote this to the Thessalonian church because some of them, we can, we can read through the context of what's going on in the, in, the, in the city of Thessalonica, were leading, he says, undisciplined lives. They were not working at all. And he even says this, because they weren't acting. How are they weren't working? How are they acting? He says they were acting like busybodies. And he says, you're mooching off other people. And Paul, Paul looks at that and he condemns it. Well, a lot of people in our society today look at that and go, you're really smart. Paul looks at it and goes, you're not smart at all because you're not fulfilling your created reason for being. It's not just about getting food. It's about God created you for work. Paul commanded these people to work. And he says to eat their own food. In other words, don't be a freeloader. Well, I think as a whole in our culture, especially our northern European culture, we have a pretty good work ethic. But this was the main reason that I thought I wanted to deal with this today. Because we need to maintain a good work ethic, and we also need to be reminded about this. Because we live in a society where entitlement thinking is becoming pervasive. And it's this idea that everybody owes me something. That I'm not responsible for me. Or this, I'm not responsible to look to God I'm going to look to a government. I'm going to look to another person. In, this, in, in Paul's situation, they were looking to steal somebody else's stuff. So they, wouldn't, so they didn't have to work. They'd steal somebody else's that was working. And we live in a society that is getting this backwards, and it's getting backwards a lot more. Um, this, this idea that everybody owes me something, it's, it's not true. Friends, we are to work hard for what we have. And this old saying is true, whether you like it or not, there are no free lunches. Somebody has to work to accomplish and to earn to provide so that other people, including themselves, can have. And I just tell you this, parents. Teach your children this. Teach your children, grandparents, teach your grandchildren this. That work is a good thing. That work is a gift from God. Work allows them to find fulfillment. Um, but I would say this. You know the old saying about do what I do, not what I do, what I say, not what I do? Oh, this is one of the things where it won't work at all. You come home every day and talk about how rotten your work is. Come home every day and talk about how terrible it is to go to work. You work talk every day, I just can't wait till the day I retire. Can't wait till I don't have to do this godforsaken job every day, you know. You think your kids are going to grow up thinking work has somehow God could be part of it? Not at all. So we need to think about what we're teaching our children, we're teaching them that work is good. And listen, listen, not only parents, young people, you know, if you're just entering the workforce and you're going to be entering the workforce, let me give you a little advice about work. You're going to be employed for like 30 to 50 years of your life. You know how long that is? When you get older, it seems like not that long, but when you start out, it's like an eternity. 30 to 50 years of your life you're going to work. And you're going to work. Work days aren't getting shorter. What's funny, if you look back at, at the, the uh, involvement of technology in American society, what people believed with, with industrialization and, and technology, the work week would become shorter. 
Has anybody experienced that? No. The work week has become longer in our society. So you're not only going to work 30 to 50 hours a week, you're going to work a lot of hours in those 30 to 50 hours a week. So what you need to do is you need to ask God what he wants you to do. And understand, God's, this is what God's not going to do. He's going to say, well, let's see. You really love... What? Give me some... Math. So I'm going to make you a construction worker who never has to add one thing in his life. God doesn't do it that way. He's, you really love math. I'm probably going to have you become an engineer. Because he's going to say, I created you this way. We're going to figure out in a minute why. But he created you this way. So ask God how he's created you. Search out what you're uniquely gifted at. What can I do that I enjoy? Think what's, what interests you. And then get whatever education or training you need to do. And get engaged in that. And then er work and earn a living. Because... Into the marketplace with you. You know, that's one of the reasons God has uniquely gifts us in so many different ways. Why we're not all the same. Some of you are good at math. Don't have me do your math. Have Mitch do your math stuff. That's why he's here. And he can stand up at the end, in your meeting and say, what, remember, remember what he said last year? Finances are fun. <laughs> That's just not true. <laughs> For me. But we all find our uniqueness. And then from that uniqueness, we get, we get occupations and employment. Why? Is it ultimately, part of it is to earn a living, but a, a much bigger part of it is we take the kingdom of God wherever we are so that God's in that place, loving people for Christ. You establish the kingdom in a place that no church can ever go. You work at whatever company you're in. You're, t- you're establishing the kingdom of God. And God says work is good. Work's an avenue to provide for you, but to get you in places so that they can meet Jesus. So that's the first thing we see in their text. Second thing is this. It says that we're to work in a certain way. He says work. He describes it. Work heartily. Thank you. In other words, work hard. Work energetically. Work hardly. When we work, basically, our way of saying is we should give it all we've got. We are to work hard. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. White collar or blue collar. And let me tell you something. If you're a blue collar person, a lot of times I was a blue collar person for a very long time. Um, you look at the white collar people and you go, oh, they don't even work. They have it so they have it so easy. Baloney. All work is difficult. All work is challenging. It doesn't matter if you're white collar or blue collar. We are all to work hard with integrity and discipline. You know, I've worked all kinds of jobs. I've milked thousands of cows. I have caught and crated Tens of thousands of chickens. I have wheeled concrete. I have run punch presses. I have run printing presses for many years. I sold insurance and securities, and I've planted and pastored churches. And I'm sure I forgot about a whole bunch of other things I've done in the middle. And in all of these things, I have found that hard work pays off. Employers generally promote and reward hardworking people. Our working employees are the greatest of the are great value to employers, and they understand it. And so, understand this. Put this in the context of the kingdom, which we always have to do. That's how God wants us to represent Him. 
If you have to hide the fact that you're a Christian because the employer is going to go, you'd say, I really want, wouldn't want them to know because I'm not a good employee, then that's not representing the right way. You want them to say, what makes you such a great employee? And you go, well, Jesus is in my life. That's what you want. That's what God wants, how he wants us to represent him in the workplace. Christians should be the blessed employees a company has. And get this, though, because we have also the other side of the coin. Christians should be the best employers that are on the planet. Christians should take the best care of their employers, employees. They should make great work environments, pay great salaries as their company profits allow. They should understand, they should give great, great benefits. They should understand this is about being a blessing to other people. Not just about only feathering my nest. So Christians, how we work, working heartily, is all about displaying the integrity, the love, and the grace, and the goodness of God through our work. So Christians should be the best employees and the best employers there is. We should work heartily. This brings us to the third thing that we see from our scripture in Colossians. It says we are to work heartily how? As unto the Lord. The reason why we work hard isn't just to make some earthly boss happy or make that company money or to earn a paycheck. It's to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, when we work, we're working with and for Him. And i got to tell you, this has been a great help to me a number of times in my life. I really believe this. I think I have worked for some of the most rotten bosses that earth has ever created meanest, rotten, unreasonable people on the planet. I think God did it on purpose. He's like, Mark, you've got some rough edges and we're going to knock them off of you. And I've had, I've had really, really tough jobs. Um, and there's been many times I felt of doing one of two things, either slacking off or walking off. Three things, or telling off. <laughs> um, those are probably three. I didn't thought about that one. I've thought about slacking off and doing nothing, walking off and quitting, or telling off the person. But, you know, when you need your money, you need your job, you just do your job. But guess what? God has showed me that I, when I'm in those bad situations, I'm not just working for some human boss. I'm also working with and for him. All I do is part of, is part of life in his kingdom. That even running, when I run a punch press, somehow that is part of the life in the kingdom of God. And I want to do my very best for Jesus and to reveal his reality by my hard work to those around me. To reveal, you know, an honest and a heart of integrity, you know, when people see me work. That's because Jesus is in me. And get this. When I work hard and honor my work commitment, even when I'm mistreated and dishonored, that shows something. Kind of reminds me of some person. He hung on a cross. That he did, he said, I, Jesus said he came with a job. I came to live a perfect life and to give my life a ransom for many. And he was not treated well in the process, was he? But he acted well in the process. That's working hardly as unto the Lord. When you are working, ask God a question. If Jesus was my co-worker, would I work any differently? You know, work as though Jesus is your co-worker. You know why? He is. And this helps you through the hard days and prompts you to always do your best so, re- so you reveal a true picture of what Christ's followers are really like. So work hardly 
is unto the Lord. We see that's what we find in Colossians. That's a, that's, that's a good, good, it could say amen right here, done, good lesson. But there's one more thing we have to see. Because Paul in Ephesians 4 adds something else to it. One more thing. He says, in chapter 4, going back to Ephesians, so our verse 28. Paul says, don't steal, but to work hard for one more reason. In addition to what he said in Colossians, and it's this. So that we can have something to share with someone who has a need. Let's remember that underlying all of Paul's instruction here is the idea that as we partner with the Holy Spirit in internal transformation, character transformation, that we'll become more like Jesus. And as we then, as we become more like Jesus, and we begin to interact with others in the family of God in this loving and caring and forgiving way, that God's glory and goodness will be revealed. Well, what could be a more tangible way of revealing that than as we share with one another when someone has a need because we worked really hard and even earned more than we need so I can help someone else who's in need. Now this isn't saying we promote laziness which allows some to work hard and others to benefit from their hard work. No, it's a recognition that in the world and in the kingdom of God there will always be some in need. Matter of fact, they often come into the kingdom because they're in need. And one of the greatest ways we can reveal the reality of our transformed lives is by financially helping those in need with what we have left over. Have you ever thought of your job as an avenue for you to earn more than you need so that you can be generous towards other people? That it's not your, your job wasn't a gift from God so that you can earn more than you need so you can just spend it on more stuff that you don't need? but that you could earn more than you need, which makes us evaluate how we're going to live. How we live is a decision. We evaluate what do I really need. doesn't mean living in poverty. What do I really need? And just maybe Paul is right here that the extra can be used to bring glory to God because we share it with other people who have a need. It's a revelation of God. See, that's exactly what Paul is saying here. That our generosity can reveal our internal growth in Christ's likeness. That's a great reason to work heartily as unto the Lord, isn't it? Because I can reveal Jesus through my generosity. So to reveal our growth, we stop any dishonest dealings. Paul says, kind of the wrap up. To reveal our growth in Christ's likeness, we stop any dishonest dealings, we stop stealing. And we start working hard and we find fulfillment in life through work and we earn an income to provide for ourselves and our families and we take extra that we have and we generously bless others. And all of this then, through work, reveals Christ's reality in us and through us to people around us. So we can conclude with this final thought. Work is a good thing. Work is a good thing. It's a gift from God, and we should approach it as such. So here's my concluding suggestion. As we end today, why don't we take a moment at the end of the service or during the day to think about our work situation. Number one, do this. Thank God that we have work that provides for us. Um, There's many people in the world who wish they had work. 
There's been seasons in our country where very few people had work and they all wished they had work. We're living in a season right now where unemployment is really low. It might not be the work that somebody would hope for, but unemployment's really low. We need to thank God that we have work. A lot of people don't have it. That provides for us. We're not living in a box on the street. And then secondly, consider how you are revealing Christ's reality through your work. As an employee, as an employer, or as someone who then uses the proceeds for the work to not only provide, but also to bless. Allow the Spirit of the Lord, kind of like we did today during communion, kind of sit in quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light in your life and show you. Don't think you already have it all figured out. Don't think you already know. Allow God the opportunity to say something to you. You might find out He's going to say something different than you think, and the reason you don't ever want to be quiet is because you probably have a hunch He's really going to say something different anyways, and you don't want to deal with it. Remember when I say you... One finger or three more pointing back at me. That's not a judgment. That's just saying reality. A lot of times we don't want to be quiet about these things because we just might hear God say something to us and that just might require some change. But understand me, friends. Any change that God brings in your life is for your blessing. It may cost you something, but you're going to gain so much more back because God loves you that much. It's how His, it's how his kingdom principles work. So let's conclude by praying together. And I invite you to, if you want to spend time in here thinking about it or just during the day thinking about it, just spend some time bringing work before the Lord. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of work. Thank you that you created humankind. And one of the very first things you did after you created them is you, you occupied them with a task. You told Adam and Eve to manage the garden. And Lord, from that day on, you've given us these incredible abilities. Lord, I think of people that can design buildings, that can do surgery, that can build things with their hands, that can calculate numbers, you know, that can do all these things, different things that are, that are all just a revelation of the reflection of God in humanity because animals can't do these things. A a dog can't balance the books. You made us unique and gifted because we're in your image. And Lord, work is one of the ways that your image, goodness, and variety is displayed through your people. And Lord, I pray that at least there would be a change in our perspective towards our work. That we'd see it as a gift. And so often in our lives, Lord... The, the big difference in our life is simply perspective. We can look at things from a positive perspective or a negative perspective and, and it makes all the difference in the world. Lord, some you may speak to some in their quietness and tell them they need to change their employment. That their job is literally demanding their soul. And you're going to say, that's not what I want for you. Lord, help us to just hear your voice on the matters. Because, Lord, one thing that's awesome is that you give us abilities to choose. And, Lord, we live in a country where we can exercise that. Thank you. Help us to look at our employment, the thing that occupies the most of our life. And help us to find a fit 
And the fit might be simply the reason we do a job that's maybe even just a repetitive job that we don't necessarily get value out of, but it's because of the connection that people around us bringing Jesus into a workplace and our ability to provide for our families and have even more for generosity. We can celebrate that. So, Father, thank you. And I pray, God, that you would guide our paths, that we would work heartily as unto the Lord in a way of revealing your goodness, that we would have more to share with those who don't have. So, Lord, as open books before you, we say just speak into our hearts about our work. Lord, for those who are not yet in the workforce, they're kind of just climbing that ladder. I know what goes on. They they agonize. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Help them to relax, be open before you, and just live every day in your presence, putting you first. And as they do that, I know you're going to guide and direct. So Lord, thank you that you love your church. Thank you you love us as your kids. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you didn't let me skip over this verse. Because Lord, I think it has some real, real tangible ways that it can affect our everyday life for your glory. So Lord, I pray your blessings now on this wonderful church family. In Jesus' name.